Hi everyone, and welcome to Crime Science. In this podcast, we explore the science of crime and the practical application of this science for loss prevention and asset protection practitioners, as well as other professionals. Welcome everybody to another episode of Crime Science Podcast. Today is our latest episode in the weekly update series, and I'm joined by uh, our travelers. Uh, if it's convenient for them this week, they're both out there, Tom Bean and Tony D'Ofrio, our producer, Diego Rodriguez. Um, a whole lot to discuss in just a short amount of time. And um, again, emphasizing uh, the two of our events that are coming up, the LPRC kickoff. Uh, we are now closing in on 200, 200 registrants. Uh, last I heard was 176. Um, and that was a day ago. So um, we're anticipating 200 registrants for LPRC kickoff 2024 edition. Again, that will be Wednesday, January 17th, uh, and that'll be at Hudson Yards. You have to be registered to get in uh, membership uh, only. It is uh, registration limited. Um, and so uh, we encourage uh, all of our members to send at least one participant um, there'll be a lot of planning exercises. Um, we've got some special guests and and speakers, uh, and so this is going to be an even more amazing event than in the past, uh, where we averaged uh, 100 executives in the Bloomingdale's uh, training room. So um, we're excited. We're very grateful to AT&T Business for their sponsorship. We've got several more sponsors that are stepping up that will make apparent on our next broadcast here. Um, and we are very grateful for their sponsorship, their participation, um, not just in this event, though, um, and what they're doing is providing technology and wise counsel, uh, expertise, advice uh, on how we get ahead of some of these crime problems across the double bow tie. You know, as we've talked about, we need to earlier and, and more effectively impact offender decisions. We call it effect again. Um, we've much earlier detection and much clearer definition of individuals and crews that are striking us uh, and where they're likely to strike to give us a head up, heads up to be more effective uh, as well as have more precision uh, and outcome impact. So, um, and then of course on the connect piece and uh, these organizations are, are helping us do all the above with leading retailers. Um, we're excited about, uh, we've had some calls this week already um, with some major retailers that are coming in to the LPRC in January and February uh, for visits to do whiteboarding with us. We'll we'll talk about those at a future point in time. Um, some good coordination with the FBI, uh, Florida Department of Law Enforcement, Alachua Sheriff's Office, Gainesville Police Department, University of Florida Police Department, and others, uh, again, uh, had a good planning call this week. And we'll have another one on the uh, February, uh, it's 29th now, February 29th, uh, Integrate event. That's our active assailant um, where we'll have those four components. One will be um, an actual module around threat detection, assessment, and building a threat management plan. Um, we're going to rely now on three different threat assessment and management teams. Uh, more to be announced. Uh, that will be in part recorded. Um, and so it's going to lead to exercises on the 29th uh, on that left of bank, left of the event, far left as we can get uh, and go through that. We expect mistakes to be made, uh, new learnings and all the above. Uh, very excited for how that's coming together. 
the next module part is as the offender, whether they're uh, noticed or not, or they are detected and defined, identified and validated or not, we'll be moving through Gainesville uh, through place and time in a vehicle. We're going to see if deployed uh, LPRs by two different manufacturers, uh, if, if, they, if they pick up and if they uh, provide information to um, Gainesville PD, UF PD, uh, and Alaska Sheriff's Office, for example, um, and to the simulated retailer. Uh, the next module, of course, will be the highly kinetic active shooter event itself that will take place at our uh, at our place on in UF's Innovation Square uh, in the building hallways and in our engagement lab, which again is a simulated store environment. Uh, you'll see a first responder by the closest law enforcement officer um, and then more follow on as they go through the protocols they've been trained on uh, in this simulation, uh, which will be pre-recorded as were, will be the first two modules. Um, and then uh, you'll see some delays. You'll see uh, Alachua Sheriff's Office and Gainesville PD SWAT teams uh, becoming involved uh, at some point, whether it's to help neutralize the threat uh, or uh, make the scene cold, as they call it, um, making sure that nobody else that's a threat is there, uh, no likely threat. Uh, and then to uh, help protect and preserve very critical forensic evidence, um, as well as standing up the University of Florida's uh, now world-class uh, Emergency Operations Center, EOC. Um, that'll be that third module. The fourth part of this, of course, again, is the exercises that are uh, that all those that are participating in 2024 uh, integrate tabletop exercise will be going through uh, exercises, small learning exercises for those three modules, left, at, and right of main, because the other part of this is uh, as soon as the threat is neutralized, we all know that there are so many things that go into action. Um, so we're excited. We're sending out special invitations now to our retailers, uh, to our LPRC Innovate Advisory Panel partners um, to participate in this. We've been aligning some of the technologies that will play a role in uh, Affect Detect and Connect. Um, as well. So you can imagine the intricacy of the planning here, um, again, with local, state, federal law enforcement and fire rescue um, and emergency operations, uh, as well as, again, wise counsel from multiple retailers that have tragically had to handle and been through these, um, these uh, active assailant, particularly shooter events, to make sure that we are keeping it real and that we are identifying gaps and understandings, uh, possible learning points, and again, this is the first, and this is sort of a kickoff, if you will, for uh, what may be 12, maybe even 24 month uh, series that LPRC will be doing on active assailant uh, preparation, handling, and recovery. So um, stay tuned for all of that. Um, we're going to talk just a quick minute about uh, how we're leveraging the uh, journey to crime through the five zones of influence. Zone five, again, being beyond the parking lot, the cyber cultural environment as well as the physical environment um, that offenders uh, reside and move through in space and time, their activity and behavioral space and the awareness space within that that they've got. Uh, the zone four is they you know, that's our parking area. That's the perimeter of the property of interest. Um, and then there's a there's a noticing that uh, a transition in and out of that through that parking area 
and then to the perimeter of the interior space, the store in our case, most likely, uh, even though it could be a distribution or office facility. Um, but then we're talking about that transition inside and out zone three, which is the interior space. Zone two is approximate around whatever the target is of the criminal offender, the theft, fraud or violence target. Um, that target is zone one for us, whether that's merchandise, money, an individual or some other asset uh, or item. Uh, so uh, leveraging that five zones, the journey of an offender through space and time, uh, overlaying the double bow tie that uh, was suggested by Professor Boyon, University College London, that we use that bow tie to put our uh, model on our framework into uh, that we've got the single bow tie, a single event. But what I was going to talk about is we've we developed in in uh, before our February this past February in a great event, the double bow tie to show victim one that we just didn't detect effect enough and didn't prevent. Um, but during that crime event, we're doing our best to mitigate. We're doing our best during that at bang or that during that targeting event, that kinetic part. But then right a bang if the offender is not caught or killed, moves on to convert items to cash, you know, stolen goods uh, and other uh, actions and behaviors. But again, if they are a serial offender, they're moving on in minutes or months to victim two and beyond. Um, so what we've learned about the offense and what we've learned about the offender and the, if it's a crew, the offenders uh, can be leveraged to maybe safeguard and prevent a victim two and beyond, right? Uh, so there's an interesting concept out of the US Army um, and as they look at not just strategy and tactics, but the operations planning, the operational arch between and, and binding those two and part of protection in our case, uh, as we leverage that and stay tuned, by the way, on this concept uh, for a strategy ad session that we'll be doing for senior uh, LP, AP leaders. Um, but the idea of, of the counterpunch strategy, and that means that Let's take a boxer, uh, and I've heard this analogy used by Army officers that are leveraging this tactic, and that is in this operational program, is that um, if once an individual punches at you, they're now vulnerable, and a quick counterpunch at that vulnerability spot or spots can be highly effective. may not stop the individual initially, but if the punches are landed at the right place and time and with enough kinetic energy, um, you might get that person to either desist right then or uh, pull back uh, or be less, um, less uh, let's just say energetic and enthusiastic and attacking again because of the severe pain and damage that they're incurring. And it's occurring while they are attacking, that they make themselves vulnerable during the actual punch. That's kind of part of the concept of the double bow tie, that the tragedy of a first crime event, that victimization, and the harm that comes from it. But during that offender, that crew victimizing those people, that place, they are now exposed. They're exposing uh, their biometrics, their vehicle, their digital signatures, uh, all kinds of things about them and how they operate. And it's even right of bang uh, as they're trying to uh, turn, convert stolen goods to cash and do other things. They're now exposed because they're now kinetic doing things to harm and to try and gain from the victimization they created. Those are opportunity points for us as part of in our double bow tie vic protecting victim two. So think about counterpunch. Uh, think about the vulnerabilities of an offender or crew as they have to extend their arm as they as they attack 
as they defraud, as they steal from people and places, um, that those are opportunities for us to learn about them and strike quickly back to neutralize that threat and try and put those offenders into timeout, particularly as we connect multiple crimes that an offender or crew might have committed, bind those together for law enforcement investigators, and of course, for prosecutors and juries um, and judges. So stay tuned, more on that. Um, but I want to go ahead and turn it over to Tony. Thank you, Reed, for all those uh, great updates. Uh, this week for the holiday season, I actually want to focus on a brand new article that I just published called The Innovation Scrimmage for the Next Retail Generation. And the question that I ask is, are we becoming more physical stores or online digital shopper consumers? And the reason for this is prior to the pandemic, a topic that was popular in general media was the retail apocalypse. And this Almageddon industry ending realization was being driven by all the retail bankruptcies and store closures. The opposite force was, of course, the rise of digital e-commerce. Back in the year 2000, less than 1% of U.S. retail sales came from e-commerce. Fast forward to 2018, and it has reached nearly 10%. And by 2027, it is projected to reach 20.4 of total retail sales. The digital revolution, uh, in my view, is in the retail industry is here to stay. For the first half of 2023, according to Morning, Morning Consult, these are the reasons uh, for online shopping versus in-store. People like to go in stores for convenience, for product comparisons and for enjoyment, but would be would it be the highest percentage? And also to look at product details. They like to shop online also for convenience, time saved, product selection, product comparisons, enjoyment, and money saved. So the key is for retailers to figure out the difference between the two models and really optimize them. And, and as I pointed out in previous articles, really what, where we're headed is a blending of the physical and the digital into what we call now digital. And that's really the future of retail. It's longer one versus the other, but the growing intentional strategy to combine the business models to drive higher consumer engagement across the different selling channels. Just it is interesting, if not more important, our technology ad adoption trends for younger consumers and the innovation they would like to see introduced into the uh, shopping journey. And really what I focused on was new research from Tata Consulting Services, which pointed out that consumers of all ages want new technologies based on their preference to enhance their shopping experience in-store, online, today and into the future. What was interesting, if you look at the research from Tata Consultancy, is combining physical and digital strategies can help build trust in the retail model as consumers experience less friction if they are able to shop across a harmonized channel. For many, privacy can be a concern, but winning retailers understand that value delivery is the counterforce. The greater the value delivered, the more consumer will be willing to give up some of their privacy. And this was confirmed 
by the Tata Consulting Research, which said that, uh, for example, 70% of millennials would be willing to give up uh, more uh, personal information to get a discount or perk. Interesting that the younger generation, the Gen Z, that was a 65%, and for the Gen X, uh, it's at 61%, and for the baby boomers, it drops down to 41%. According to the research, key to remember as you reflect and, and you think about the data that I just stated, millennials are the largest group of consumers, but Gen X spend the most money annually, and baby boomers have the largest buying power. Gen Z spending power is on the rise, and as millennials age and their incomes grow, their spending power only in continue to increase. The key again is that value formula delivery in terms of how much privacy am I going to give up in terms of getting that benefit. And actually McKinsey, and you can go look at the formula in the article, they actually came up with a personalization value equation. And for McKinsey, it was uh, value is equal to relevance, relevance plus timeliness of the delivery of the, uh, the personalization divided by loss of privacy times trust. So it's really those factors that interject with each other. So you need to de de deliver relevance, timeliness, and you need to build trust, and that will offset some of that loss of privacy. What was really interesting to me and why I wrote this article was how the new, the younger generation and the type of technology that they're looking for, which to me is much more disruptive uh, going forward. So for example, 60% uh, of millennials want to see virtual fitting rooms of virtual staging capabilities. 56% of Gen Z want to see the same. 54% uh, of millennials want to see live stream shopping experiences. 57% of Gen Z want to see that. And these, this type of shopping is already very popular in places like China, for example. 48 consumers or millennials want to basically pay with cryptocurrency. 46% of Gen Z want to do the same. 72% of millennials want contactless checkout. 73% of Gen Z also want Countless uh, checks out. QR codes, very popular with both millennials and Gen Z. 63% of millennials want more QR codes. 63% of Gen Z want more QR codes. Buying on social media, 53% of millennials, 56% of Gen Z. So again, very disruptive capabilities that these consumers really the younger consumers are pushing the envelope and they want to see more innovation inside the store. And really, as the research from Tata Consulting Services summarized, retailers must continually seek new ways to retain the loyalty of existing customers while attracting new ones. At the same time, they also need to anticipate the expectations of the customer of the future. To thrive, uh, during an unpredictable economy, retailers need the tools and technology to identify micro-opportunities, capture new market share, and deepen customer loyalty. The time is right for retailers to capitalize on the consumer appetite 
for new and better customer experiences. And investing in the right technology delivered to the right customers using a cost-effective integrated digital strategy will be essential to complete uh, to compete in 2023 and beyond. So again, the future of retail will include both physical stores and online, both with increasingly digitally influenced experiences. Brick and mortar stores will continue to be a critical element as the formula. As the data that I explained at the beginning of this discussion said, 20% will, will be of retail sales will be online by 2027, but that means that 80% will still be in physical stores. So the digital disruptive scrimmage for the heart of the next generation shopper is going to accelerate. Younger uh, generations will demand more innovation in their shopping experiences. And the key is to pay attention as to why consumers choose either physical or digital channel as they engage your brand and then build a differentiated technology bridges to the areas that deliver the highest value and the return on investment for the selective strategy. So I find that again, extremely interesting how these young consumers are adapting to technology. And I think that actually tends to set some industry trends for the future. Happy holidays, everyone. Looking forward to more great podcasts into the new year. I want to thank all of you out there. Thank Diego Rodriguez, our producer. And I encourage you all stay in touch. Operations at LPResearch.org. LPResearch.org is our website, of course. Uh, And stay tuned for some major updates, some exciting changes to the LPRC and our website and other parts of the organization uh, as we enter 2024. I want to wish everybody happy holidays, Merry Christmas, season's greetings um, as we head in again to 2024. Stay safe, stay in touch. Thanks for listening to the Crime Science Podcast presented by the Loss Prevention Research Council. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can find more crime science episodes and valuable information at lpresearch.org. The content provided in the Crime Science Podcast is for informational purposes only and is not a substitute for legal, financial, or other advice. Views expressed by guests of the Crime Science Podcast are those of the authors and do not reflect the opinions or positions of the Loss Prevention Research Council.